Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Mo H., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Friday, April the 20th, 10 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting. We are reading from the Big Book, and we are on page 53, the third paragraph, beginning with Arrived at this point, through two paragraphs, ending with Faith had been involved all the time, on the top of page 54, and comments will be on both paragraphs. Today's readers are Ashley P. for the 12 Steps, Susan R. for the 12 Traditions, Jordan L. and Ramona H. will be our text readers. The share ID for Thursday, April 19th, 10 a.m., is 11,316. That's 11316. And for this morning's meeting, Friday, April the 20th at 7 a.m., Eastern Time is 11,320. That's 11320. And our newcomer greeter at the end will be Melanie C. So if you're a newcomer, hang on the line after we close it. All right, OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I will now ask Ashley P. to read the 12 steps. Hi, this is Ashley P. Recovered in California. Can I be heard? Uh, yes. Okay. Uh, let's see. Twelve steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. <clears throat> Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, Ashley P. And I'll now ask Susan R. to read the 12 traditions. Thank you. Uh, This is Susan R., Rhode Island. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, For our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, Each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, 
An OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those, who, who, to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. And thank you for letting me, sir. Thank you, Susan R. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinent requirement for sharing on the topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone again. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the the speakers should be muted. And today we resume our study of the big book, and we are on page 53, the third paragraph, arrived at this point, and we'll be reading through two paragraphs to the top of page 54, ending with faith had been involved all the time. And I will now ask Jordan L. to begin our reading. Can you hear me? Ah, there. Thank you, Jordan. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, the phone was not unmuting. Good morning. Uh, My name is Jordan. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from the Rocky Mountains of Colorado. Um, But I am coming from you, or coming to you from Moab, Utah, today on a camping trip. So happy to be here. Um, This is page 53 out of the chapter We Agnostics in the Big Book. Arrived at this point, we were squarely confronted with the question of faith. We couldn't duck the issue. Some of us had already walked far over the bridge of reason toward the desired shore of faith. The outlines and the promise of the new land had brought luster to tired eyes and fresh courage to flagging spirits. Friendly hands had stretched out in welcome. We were grateful that reason had brought us so far but somehow we couldn't quite step ashore. Perhaps we had been leaning too heavily on reason that last mile, and we did not like to lose our support. That was natural. But let us think a little more closely. Without knowing it, had we not been brought to where we stood by a certain kind of faith? For did we not believe in our own reasoning? Did we not have confidence in our ability to think? What was that but a sort of faith? Yes, we had been faithful, objectively faithful to the God of reason. So, in one way or another, we discovered that faith had been involved all the time. Um, And this is certainly true for me. Um, (laughs) um, I mean, I I shared the last last time I shared, it was also about this particular subject. of having gobs and gobs and gobs of faith in my own reason um, and my own ability to think and my own ability to reason through things, um, to think through them, and to navigate through them in that way. 
Um, <clears throat> and, I mean, really, I think it's, um, I just want to mention the paragraph right before this here um, that's talking about a self-imposed crisis. <laughs> I probably would have never questioned my own thinking um, or my own brain power uh, if it weren't for that self-imposed crisis, you know? Um, it's it's why that's why I'm here. Um, it is the circumstances around uh, the results of my compulsive overeating that got me here and made me willing to change. Simple as that. Like I'm not some uh, uh, you know like super spiritual person who woke up one day and was just like, oh, I want to be a better person because. Um, that's what I want to do and make this world a better place and this and that and blah, blah, blah. Like, um, yes, I am now approaching the world with that attitude, but it's, it started very simply um, from this place of, of uh, you know, my self-imposed crisis because of my compulsive overeating. Um, <clears throat> and that's why I was willing to question my thinking and my ability to reason um, question my faith to that God of reason um, and consider the idea of putting that faith somewhere else, you know? Um, and as I've said before, this is just kind of a giant spiritual experiment for me. Um, like I've, I've done the, the reason thing for a while now and it hasn't been working. Um, it really hasn't produced the results I want it to produce. <laughs> um, so I'm like given this like faith in a spiritual way of life. I'm giving it a shot and um, just kind of seeing where it takes me. And I must say, I've been very, very pleased <laughs> with the results so far. Um, I feel like I'm, uh, I don't know. I mean, not only am I not compulsively overeating, not only am I not obsessing about food 24-7, like I'm experiencing life in a whole new way, um, <clears throat> you know, and that makes me, that makes me want, that makes me want to continue living this way, and um, God willing, really never go back to completely overeating and using that as uh, my solution for life, you know, so Time. anyway, I'm really glad to be here this morning and to share with you guys, and um, that's it, that's all I got, thank you. Thank you, Jordan L., for starting us off, and I will now open the lines up for those who would like to share on these two paragraphs. Who would like to share? Julie P. Oops, up. Ashley P. Up, Ashley P. I got you, Ashley. Lisa H. Lisa H. Kaylee R. Julie E. B. Julie E. B. Kaylee R. Kaylee R. Kathleen O. Kathleen O. Wendy M. Wendy M. I'll pick one more. Mariana D. Is that Mariana? Mariana. Mariana. Thank you. D was that? D as in dog. Dog. Okay. All right. Here we go. I have Ashley P. Lisa H. Julie E.B., Kaylee R., Kathleen O., Wendy M., and Mariana D. All right, Ashley P., you're on. Uh. Hi, this is Ashley P., recovered in Northern California. Can I be heard? Yes, you can. Cool. Uh, Let me set my timer. Let's see here. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm I really am loving these paragraphs today. And um, before I say anything about them, I just want to welcome the newcomers and um, thank you everybody who's doing service today. Uh, so this, this really, um, well, first of all, it, it just it reminds me of all of the things that I had faith in when I came into the rooms, but I, I completely would have told you that I, I didn't have any faith, that um, I was, most of my life I identified as agnostic, but 
the year before I, I came back into OA, um, I started identifying as, as an atheist. And what these paragraphs point out to me is that actually I had a ton of faith in things. I, I had faith in the food, that the food would make me feel better. Um, and I had faith in the scale, that the number on that scale was going to keep me safe and um, give me the things that I thought I wanted. Um, I had faith in my anorexia that it would do the same thing. And I had a lot of faith that uh, men and and my friends, if I, if I could just control them and get them to, to do what I wanted, that they would take care of me and that they would take care of all my problems. Um, all of these ideas. And so I, I absolutely had faith. I just had faith in, in, um, people, places, and things in, instead of faith in a higher power. And the second paragraph really is uh, speaking to me about where I am today because I had crossed the bridge and, and I have developed faith in a higher power, but I'm still holding on in that last part. Um, and that's the work that I'm, I'm doing today. Um, you know, I turned so much over the, the food and my weight uh, and relationships um, to my higher power. But some of the really, really old stuff I've, I know that I've been holding on to and I felt that in the last few weeks. And so what's different today is that when those sticky parts come up, when I'm in fear, um, what I'm doing is I'm, I'm checking in with friends and and my sponsor and doing 10 steps and, and 11 steps. And I have some willingness to follow their direction and have faith in what they ask me to do, even if it's really, 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 really hard. Um, so that's uh, something that's different in my, uh, that's, that's helping me today in the sticky parts of my program. Um, and with that, I pass. Thank you, Ashley P. Lisa H., followed by Julie E.B. Good morning, um, Mo. Thank you for your service today. This is Lisa H., grateful, recovered compulsive overeater from Tennessee. Um, and I'm, I'm certainly drawn by we discovered that faith had been involved all the time. <clears throat> I looked up the word faith, and the first definition is complete trust or confidence in someone or something. You know, and, and all, I was thinking you know, growing up, I had complete trust or faith in my parents that they were going to direct me the right way. I had complete faith in my educators um, that they were going to teach me what I needed to know. I have complete faith in my spouse. Um, and, and, but those were, those were very worldly, worldly things that I placed my faith in. Um, and then this, this idea of having faith in reason, um, in the big book, reason is capitalized, and I, I thought that was curious. But I think that um, that God gave us reason, you know, um, so that we could move through this world and learn. Um, but the the second definition of faith is a strong belief in God, and I think that um, what kept me from that um, full faith in God was fear. Um, and so, and, but I think that if I'm in fear, I'm in my head, I'm in my ego, I'm edging God out. Um, if I'm in faith, I'm in my heart and I'm trusting, I'm trusting that God, which is way beyond my understanding. Um, thank goodness, but is, is broad and roomy, always inclusive, never exclusive, you know, and, and that's, that's where I had to go. I had to, um, you know, admit my powerlessness and then get unblocked um, from accessing, accessing the God of my understanding. Um, and so that faith went from reasoning to my heart. Um, and then I could, then I could step out and trust um, and, and build a relationship with a higher power of my understanding. And so that today, um, you know, God is everything. Um, God is where I go when I'm happy, sad, hurt, angry, whatever, um, rather than going to the food. 
my first place is to go to God. Um, and, and, and hopefully, um, hopefully that's enough and it not, not, it's not always enough. Then I have to go and, um, talk to, talk to God with skin on, which is, you know, one of my fellows, um, to maybe to help me out of a sticky situation. But, um, today, you know, just for today, the consciousness of the presence of God is the most important um, part of my life. And, and it does present a powerful reason that I should have faith. Um, and that's how I will walk forward um, just for today. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Lisa H. Julie E.B. followed by Kaylee R. Hi, this is Julie E.B., gratefully recovered um, in the Garden of the God. In uh, Colorado, and uh, my signal's iffy. I apologize, um, but I just want to share a little bit about the faith that I had. I had faith in my own logic, but that faith was that I would always mess it up. That faith was that I could just take my will back and go back to the food, and maybe next time. That faith was so much that I would um, um, not ever be good enough. And uh, it's amazing how God has taken that faith and with the kindness and love of sponsors and friends and programs, turn that uh, to work uh, and help me cross that bridge. I would say one of the last things to go is that faith that God will take care of my children. And the way I take back my logic and reason and move away from faith is uh, by circling with my logic over and over in my mind, like a hamster on a gerbil wheel, or which I call the brainstorm, which Bill says is the dubious luxury of normal men. The other thing I do is I uh, go ahead and have a talk storm, and I talk about my problems over and over instead of living in the solution. And the more I do that, the less I quiet myself and see that the solution is there all along. And like this says, I've already crossed the bridge, and God is doing for me what I cannot do for myself. And today I'm grateful for that. And if you're new, uh, reach out, get a sponsor, and uh, hang on for a beautiful ride. Thanks. Uh, Thank you, Julie E.B. Kaylee R., followed by Kathleen O., Hi, this is Kaylee R. Can I be heard? Yes, you can. Thank you, Kaylee. All right. Hi, I'm Kaylee, compulsive overeater um, from Northern California. Uh, thank you so much for your service, everybody on the line, and welcome to the newcomer. So grateful for a vision for you. Uh, I started this program almost two and a half years ago, going to OA and face-to-face meetings in Los Angeles, where the program is very strong. And um, I started off programs, they would talk about a a higher power God. And I was like, "Mm mm-mm, not for me. I'll just do the physical and emotional recovery. I can work on myself, but I'm not willing to learn about this idea of God. And um, I got a sponsor in the next day. Uh, my boyfriend died, and all of a sudden, I developed this idea of a higher power that I had never imagined I could believe in, um, and I think had I not had this program to fall back on, like when I got back, I happened to go out of town that day, and when I got back into town, I buried myself in this program, and I worked the steps. Like my hair was on fire, I went to 10 to 14 meetings a week and I worked my ass off to gain a spiritual um, relationship. And I think a big part of, um, I mean, the first three steps are all about gaining this idea of a higher power and being willing. I read in the OA Big Book by Lori C., Alcoholism is a low-level thirst for spirituality. So 
compulsive overeating is a low-level thirst for spirituality. So my whole life, I was searching for some kind of spiritual idea, and I couldn't find it, so I filled that hole with food. My whole life, I questioned people who believed in or had a religion to fall back on or believed in God. And I know now that the reason I turned to food is because I was trying to find something that would work for me. The, the mainstream religions didn't work for me. That It didn't make sense to read the Bible and believe in what was written. It just didn't work for me. But developing my own idea of a higher power did work for me. And once I found that, I was able to fill that or start to fill that food hole, the hole I was filling with food with a spiritual being. And today, I, when something happens, my first thought isn't food anymore. My first thought is like, okay, higher power, why is this happening to me? I'm currently unhappy at my job, and I'm emailing asking for a raise, and people won't even write me back. And, yeah, I'm upset about it, and I did a tense step about it. And instead of going into the pity, I hear that, um, and trying to get and trying to eat, I'm like, higher power, this is a learning experience. Maybe I'm supposed to be searching for a new job. Maybe that's your path for me. Um, and with that, I pass. Thank you so much for letting me share. Thank you, Kaylee R. Kathleen O., followed by Wendy M. Good morning, Mo. Thank you for your service this morning. This is Kathleen O., recovered in Northern California. Some of us had already walked far over the bridge of reason toward the desired shore of faith. And, you know, I'm noticing in these paragraphs, they're talking about reason, they're talking about logic. Um, And I looked up reason. Reason is the power of the mind to think, understand, and form judgments by a process of logic. And logic is a way of understanding something. It's a thought process where one examines facts and draws conclusions. And a few paragraphs above, it tells us logic is great stuff. We liked it. We still like it. So this sentence, walking far over the bridge of reason toward the desire short of faith, I think, you know, for a lot of us, this whole God concept is reason and logic really does get in the way. And I don't think we're being asked to give up reason, reason and logic is a good thing. Um, it seems more to be of letting go of needing an explanation for everything and needing to know why. You know, the argument I always hear about God is if there's a God, why do bad things happen? And for me and my recovery, I had to stop expecting a logical explanation to those questions. For me, faith is not having all the answers. And when it comes to my addiction, I need to leave the logic to the non-addicts. You know, I do believe God is, and I'm not. If I follow the instructions on page 88, humbly saying to myself many times each day, thy will be done, I'm asking for God's will, not mine. And I believe that God's will is my abstinence. And so if I believe that, I don't eat. And, you know, having a desire to stop eating addictively I knew logically quitting on my own was ineffective and pointless. I understood this through decades of experience. So stepping from the bridge of reason to the shore of faith happened when I realized I couldn't do this on my own. You know, we're open-minded in so many aspects of life. To, and, it, you know, it's like entertain the idea that just maybe you can tap into, tap into an energy and a power in the universe that's going to help you solve your problem because it's helped so many of us on this line. So believing in something we can't see or prove, it's not logical. But when I put logic and reason aside, I mean, what did I have to lose? You know, I came to believe and I found out this works. Nothing else could stop me from binging my way to over 200 pounds. But this power that I tapped into and following the principles of this program, they've kept me in a normal size body for 13 years and given me freedom and happiness even on a bad day. So that is something that is truly a miracle. And remember, when we speak of God, we mean your own conception of God. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kathleen O. Wendy M. followed by Mariana D. 
Good morning. Hi, it's Wendy M. in Colorado, recovered, and so grateful to be on the line. Thank you, God, for the entire abstinence I have this morning. And um, I love all of you. And we're either in God's world or we're not. That's what I say every time with everything, you know, the way I treat the dog, the way I clean my room. Like, I'm either in God's world or I'm not. And I got to tell you, when I'm in God's world, it feels fabulous. Like everything is serene. I'm in that serenity. I'm in that place of faith. Um, And things go really well. And when I'm in my will, it is really not pretty really quickly. You know, and I always say to my sponsees, so how's that working for you? You know, and it's a decision that we make at any moment. And that's the freedom that we have that our minds can click on and off. It can click into this place of I'm going to make the decision this second to jump over to faith, to be in God's world. It's either God or it's not every moment. Um, you know, and i got to tell you, lately I've really wanted to be in my own will, and it's super uncomfortable. It's been awful. It's not working. And I am smiling right now because I get to look at what happens when I want to be in my world and not in God's world at all. Um, but I want to focus on this one piece here. Um, and I love that Bill is using logic and reason to get me to understand faith. This is hilarious to me. And when I first read this chapter the first hundred times, I didn't understand it um, because it felt like I was reading like a logician book, like a logic, you know, something for college or graduate school. I didn't understand. It says here, for did, not, did we not believe in our own reasoning? Okay. Did we not have confidence in our abilities to think? So for me, that's radical. Because what happened was God's like, I'm going to turn your mind upside down right now, right? That's mind-blowing, mind-altering. And it's really the punchline of this chapter. Didn't we actually believe in our own reasoning? Like, that's the faith. And he goes on in the next chapter to talk about that. Did not we have confidence in our ability to think? I was holding on for dear life, right? So I was like, my mind, I got to hold on to it like forever. I do not want to know anything else. I must believe in something, and my mind felt like that was the answer. Um, but what this chapter does is it turns, you know, it turns my thinking upside down. Because actually, you had faith the entire time, right? You had faith in yourself, right? And this book is the death of self. So what gets in the way for me is self, self, and a little more self. So as long as I'm in my mind, as other people have said, I can control the world. That's my belief. This is my faith. This is the religion of self that I've been experiencing up until the moment I read this, this one line. You know, and Bill says, no, 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 no. You've had a belief, a faith in yourself, right? And that has gotten me in trouble every time. And currently, you know, the food's down. I'm good to go, right? I'm not agnostic with the food but not with this current issue that I'm looking at. It's like, oh, no, 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 God. I don't trust at all that you're going to give me what I want. So I'm going to just stay in this logic place and try to run the show. Thanks a lot for letting me share. Thank you, Wendy M. And we'll now have Mariana D. Hi, um, this is Mariana. I'm from Oregon. And... um, First off, good morning, and I'm so grateful to be here. One quick thing I need to say is someone called me the other day. I lost your number, and I didn't get your name, so please call me back. Um, So in talking about this reading today, what's really – I'm just – there's a lot that I'm kind of processing because these shares are amazing. Um, I'm thinking of faith, and faith to me is having that hope um, never feeling alone, like knowing that uh, it's such a it's such a blessing, and it's one that I I think I don't really think about often enough. And this is kind of why I'm a little emotional this morning because I'm really feeling it. Um, it's a comfort to me because I know that whatever happens, I don't have to figure it out right away. If I'm just quiet, because I feel like God speaks to me in a whisper, and if I get too busy in my life and I become like that whirling dervish where it's about tasks and overcommitting and life is getting crazy, then I'm not in the stillness and I'm not hearing um, 
my higher power or where the next right action is or where I need to be led. And that can happen very easily for me. So being on this line in the morning and just sitting because um, I'm in our new home in Oregon and I don't have a lot of distractions here because we're not even moved in. So I'm sitting by the fireplace and I'm listening. When I'm at home in Roseville, I'm multitasking. And that's a big difference there because I'm not really really present at the meeting. So I'm seeing the difference up here in Oregon without a lot of distraction. And I'm seeing how important it is for me just to be still in these meetings and really listen because there's so much here. Um, So um, anyway, I'm just feeling very, very fortunate just to just to be here and just to be present. And that's really, I think that's all I have. So thank you so much. And I pass. Yeah, thank you, Mariana. And uh, just to remind everyone, we are on page 53, third paragraph. Arrived at this point, reading through two paragraphs, ending with faith had been involved all the time. And I'll now open the lines up, or please press star one to unmute if you'd like to share. Hi, this is Ramona A. I'd like to share. Okay, got you, Ramona. Karen T. Karen T. Anyone else? Sherry KB. Hi, Sherry. Peggy H. Peggy H. Kelly S. Kelly S. All right, we'll stop there. I have Ramona A., Karen T., Sherry KB, Peggy H., and Kelly S. Uh, Ramona A., will you begin, followed by Karen T.? Press star one, Ramona. Hi, this is Ramona A. Can you hear me now, please? Yes, yes. Okay, okay. Uh, I think when it comes to faith, when I was in high school, I had a really good English teacher, and I had done something on, we were reading Macbeth, about faith, and she said, oh, everybody has faith in something all the time. And I hadn't picked that out. I hadn't done it on purpose. But it has stayed with me, you know, and I know when I got into program or all my my life and up to the time I was 40 years old, whatever, my faith was in a God that punishes. I believed in the way of life espoused by my religion, but my faith in God was that God was going to punish me. I had to be perfect. And over the last, I don't know, 20 for more years, 20 to 30 years, God has shown me love and mercy gently, really patiently over this time that he's not a God of punishment. Um, And, you know, even spiritual experiences that have told me that God is a God of love and mercy and come to, you know, crown it or put the icing on the cake, whatever you want to say, with this program and with then with this meeting and working the steps again to find the places where I still can be afraid. Um, and I can't say I'm 100% there yet. I'll probably, you know, I'll learn that I have to have more faith, more closeness to God probably the rest of my life. But it is like night and day, you know, 180 degrees different from the way I used to be, I feel close to God, and the evidence, they say if you if you just stick your little toe in the water, if you just have a little bit of faith, that you'll start to see the evidence, then you have a little more, at least that's the way it was with me, to the point now where I really, you know, I'm very aware when I'm not having, you know, uh, faith, or very soon I become aware and try then to let go and to say, 
God has always come through before, you know. It's not always the way I want. I have, There's sorrow and there's acceptance there, et cetera, in my life. But this is, this is what I believe and this is what this program has brought to me um, is the, the evidence, the faith and the evidence. And I would suggest to anybody who isn't coming up with that right away, you know, just to have the patience, just to listen and work with it, and it will happen. So thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Ramona A., Karen T., followed by Sherry K.B., Hello, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Great. Hello, y'all. I'm Karen, compulsive overreader from Louisiana. And um, thank you so much, Mo, for doing service and loving that I'm on the line live. doesn't happen too often. Um, I remember uh, I did not grow up with um, a faith in a higher power. And I remember uh, having people around me who believed in God and just knowing that I should, that this, this paragraph means so much to me. I knew that I should go there, but I didn't want to. And this sense that I was getting on shakier and shakier ground, you know, that last mile was, ah. Uh, and I, I remember sort of people hand stretching out to me and welcome. And um, I remember that. Uh and then I made it over to this, sh- the, the shore of faith, new land, um, uh, desired shore of faith. Right. I made it over and I thought, what was the big deal? This is so great over here. What? Why was I so afraid? And uh, after looking at it through the lens of OA, you know, it was my self-will. I did not want to give up self-will. I did not want to not be the captain of my soul and the controller of my life. And um, so that selfishness that we talk about a lot was uh, the major part that was keeping me from from faith. Um, and I'm really grateful that I have these memories of times when I didn't have faith and times when I did. Um, really helpful when I'm working with newcomers to uh, remember both sides. And then the last thing I just wanted to say was, you know, we are squarely confronted with this question. When we really take step one and learn that we're powerless, we're willpowerless over food, and that our lives are truly unmanageable, then that is what gives us the energy to really look at this issue. We can't duck it anymore. We are going down a hole that we are not going to be able to get out of ourselves. We are on a path of powerlessness. And we can either keep going to destruction, like it says in other places in this book, or we can accept spiritual help. So, um, it says someplace else, the self-imposed crisis. Oh, it's the, one, it's the paragraph right before. Okay, there it is. Um, you know, this, it, each one of us comes to this point in the program at a different time. But it's a, it's a, it's a key program. It's, it's step, two, step two. And the uh, energy for step two comes from step one. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Karen T. Sherry KB, followed by Peggy H. Sherry. Good morning, Mo. Good morning, everybody. Sherry KB in Northern California. A very grateful recovered compulsive behavior. And uh, thank you for your service, Mo, and everybody on the line, and welcome newcomers. You know, I, this is a very touching uh, paragraph to me because it talks about, you know, having um, uh, the the courage, you know, to, to the courage to be willing to to cross that that land, that new land, um, and the luster. And I looked up luster, and um, sorry, my cat <laughs> likes to read along with me. Um, luster is um, sorry, um, brightness, radiance, a glow of light from within. I like that, a glow from light, of light from within, because 
you know, it, to me, you know, I've been beaten down by this disease, and I, you know, I've tired and I've exhausted every nook and cranny that I could have, and so just to muster up that that courage again, because you know my spirits had been so down, and to see these friendly hands um, had stretched out to welcome me. And that reminds me of, like, especially on this line. Um, you know, I remember listening to this line years ago and thinking, wow, you know, where have you been? Where have you been all my life? Um, and you know what? And it, and it felt wonderful to have hands stretched to me to welcome me on this line and, you know, in the rooms of OA. And, you know, and then what happened is, you know, I, I, I took the hand, but then I took my will back, you know, and I wasn't ready at the time to you know, because I was still in my logic and still in my self-will and that last bit to let go and let God to to believe, um, I had to really work at letting that go. And um, all I can say is don't wait so long to let it go um, because it's not worth it um, that my self-will imposed crisis and things that I'd done to myself, you know, my logic and reason got in the way. And I think it's so important today for me as a recovered person that my faith and um, and my higher power um, outshines the reason that I have now. And, um, and I know that I've had faith all along because I had faith in a lot of things. It's just that I had too much faith in my own self-will versus the will of my higher power and what a difference that has made for me. Um, and just that, you know, every now and then, you know, I can see I can take my will back. And I'm actually more aware today when I'm having a bad day, it's usually because my self-will is trying to run the Sherry Show. And I'm very aware of that today, and I'm very grateful for that and grateful for my higher power and all of you on the line. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sherry KB. Peggy H., followed by Kelly S. Hi, everyone. I'm Peggy H. from Arizona. Can I be heard? Yes, you can. Thank you. Thank you, everybody, for your service this morning. And um, I've been um, tuning into Vision for You more regularly. Um, and I'm just um, so grateful and humbled by how powerful it is to take the big book paragraphs by paragraphs and um, the intense focus and wow, what a gift this book is. And um, I'm not sure if I would have realized that without this format. Um, and this paragraph or these two paragraphs I've I've read before, um, but I'm having an aha moment this morning about the upside down um, challenge that Bill is presenting here with having faith in my own reason and my own logic. <laughs> Um, to give an example of that, as I'm reading it this morning and as I'm, I'm in the midst of a, um, a, a real significant challenge with a dear loved one, and, um, and I'm reading this thinking, oh, gosh, if he only was reading this, <laughs> you know, this, this is kind of where he's really being challenged. And then I had to laugh at myself and um, drew me up short because wait a minute, there I go, there I am, um, you know, using my, it, this is talking to me, this is talking, this is putting the focus on me, and I'm trying to shed, move it to somebody else, um, and, you know, I realized that my self-will is so much about my fear, and I think that I've justified my self-will because it's fear, because I don't see it as, um, you know, like a rebelliousness or a contention with God or it's it's out of this fear. And so I I kind of go, well, gosh, if somebody has fears, I mean, fears are fears. What are you going to do with fears, you know? Um, but my my fears take me, my fears are self-will and I'm, I'll need to kind of wrestle with, sorry about that. I'll, I'll need to kind of wrestle with that one. Um but anyway, it's just um, very enlightening, and um, I'm so grateful that um, just so grateful that so many of you um, have been trudging this road of happy destiny before me in vision for you, and um, 
and I hope to uh, bring my um, my own caboose or attach attach on to the train here. So thank you, and God bless you all. Bye. Uh, thank you, Peggy H. Kelly S., uh, we have about two minutes left. Can you do it in two minutes? I can do it. Okay. <laughs> thank oh, you. I got my timer. I'm Kelly S., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, just wanted to share real briefly on this part. Um, so, you know, I've been around this program 30 years. I know I've shared that on the line in 30-plus um, years, you know, and just have a little over three years of recovered abstinence which has been a huge gift. And it was like this whole thing, the outlines and the promise of the new land had brought luster to tired and tired eyes and fresh courage to flagging spirits. And that's what I heard on these lines when I started listening, you know, five years ago. Of course, that's what I'm grateful that that kept me coming back. So I would hear that from you guys. And, but, you know, it took me a couple of years of listening because listening doesn't um, obviously get you recovered um, to step a over that bridge, right? Because, you know, I had that whole problem with I'd been around for so long and I just had decided this program wasn't going to work for me. I kept listening because I had nowhere else to go. But, um, you know, I had to start doing the set-aside prayer every single day because my own reason, my own thinking was getting me blocked. And it was totally this whole thing of this friendly hands stretched out and welcome, you know, because it was it was the people around me, the people I talked to who kept saying, just, you know, try this new way. And I remember somebody saying, you know, that really changed was that I needed to just act as if, you know, just act as if I believe. I don't have to believe. I don't even have to know if there's a God. But you know what? Just live my life by spiritual principles. And because of that today, I was able to put down the food and pick up the spiritual toolkits and work this program. And for the first time, you know, I'm 55 and I do have a life beyond my wildest dreams. And I never thought it possible. I thought I was the one in the big book, constitutionally incapable of being honest with myself. And I was never going to get this thing. So if you're still struggling, if you're a newcomer, keep coming back because it really does work. Just don't give up hope. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much. Perfect, Kelly. Thank you very much for keeping it short. And thank you all for sharing today. And thank you all to our people who read the 12 steps and did the shares. Uh, We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And I'm going to ask Ramona A. to read a vision for you. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Hi, this is Ramona A. Is it clear? Yes. Okay. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then, 